This is Carol Cook, and I want you to listen to On Screen and Beyond because I'm going to give away a lot of very, very little-known facts and some that I'll make up. You'll love it. Listen to Brian and listen to me. Hi, I'm Mrs. Hughes, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to Episode 79 of On Screen and Beyond. Brian Zemrak with you. And uh, like I told you last week, this is uh, show is coming up few days earlier uh, so to make up for that we're having two guests for you and we got some they're very very interesting people first off we have carol cook who is a semi-regular on the lucy show with lucille ball and she's got some great stories to tell as well as uh, many other shows she was on including a guest starring role on gray's anatomy a couple of years ago so I got to hear that one because she has got some fantastic stories. And my second guest is comedian Mrs. Hughes, who uh, is uh, going to be, you know, telling us about how she got into the business and everything. And she's a, she's a very funny person. You're going to love her. It's right here on On Screen and Beyond on our interview segment. And uh, we got a full slate, so we just want to get right into Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, Thomas the Tank Engine, the books, the TV show, the 2000 feature film, it's all headed for a remake. I'll keep you updated on that. And here's one you'll definitely want to miss. A book by reality personality Lauren Conrad of the Hills is about to be remade into a movie, probably a very boring movie. You know, reality star? Eh, boy. Anyways, Mark Wahlberg is readying to star in a remake of an Icelandic film called Rick. I gotta get this right here. Rickavik Rotterdam. It's about a rum runner turned security guard who gets into money problems and starts rum running again. Right. <laughs> and that's about it for remakes. Coming up next, upcoming movies from on screen and beyond. Upcoming movies from On Screen to Beyond, 2010 will bring us The Other Guys, starring Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, Samuel L. Jackson, Dwayne Johnson, Eva Mendez, Michael Keaton, and Damon Wayans Jr. It's an action comedy coming your way. And people are wondering, what's up with Tom Hanks? Well, he's got a boatload of projects in development, including some movies called The Risk Pool, A Wilderness of Monkeys, and Agent Zigzag. And in the coming weeks, we'll give you a better idea of what these projects are all about. He's even got more than that, but those are just a couple of them. So that's about it for upcoming movies. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. Find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, Resident Evil Afterlife is officially in production, and it looks like it will be in 3D like everything else lately. And this makes number four for that series. Quentin Tarantino is talking about doing a Kill Bill 3, but he admits that it will be uh, a little while before he gets around to that. He's got some other projects on the burners up front that he's going to be taking care of first. 
So uh, it'll be a while before we see another Kill Bill. And a rumor of a sequel to 1995's Showgirls may be in the works. The original bombed and is considered by many to be one that should not be resurrected. That's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As far as TV on DVD, look for Flashpoint Season 1 as it arrives in stores on Tuesday, October 13th, along with Girlfriends, the complete seventh season, and the Saturday morning TV classic, Land of the Lost, Seasons 1, 2, and 3, will arrive individually on DVD on October 13th. And looking ahead on January 12th, 2010 look for er the complete 12th season to to arrive on dvd in a six disc set that's about it for tv on dvd what's coming your way as far as movies on dvd it's next right here on on screen and beyond Movies on DVD. Well, it looks like the same day land of the lost seasons one two and three come out for the tv series Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell makes its way onto DVD and Blu-ray on October 13th. And joining Land of the Lost on October 13th will be The Proposal, starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. And Drag Me to Hell lands on DVD and Blu-ray on October 13th. That's about it for movies on DVD from On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, we have... Two guests on On Screen and Beyond on our interview segment. We have Carol Cook, who was a semi-regular on The Lucy Show. Good friends with Lucille Ball. She was actually, um, Lucille Ball was actually her maid of honor. And uh, she'll talk about that. And also we have comedian Mrs. Hughes coming your way right here on the interview segment on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actress of stage, screen, and TV who over the years has appeared in such films as Palm Springs Weekend, The Incredible Mr. Limpet, American Gigolo, and Disney's Home on the Range. And her stage credits include Hello, Dolly, Mame, 42nd Street. And her TV credits include The Lucy Show, Here's Lucy, Dynasty, Grey's Anatomy, just to name a few. It's Carol Cook. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Carol. Oh, thank you, Brian. I really am so happy to be here. Well, it gets me off the street for the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, and I love all those credits. Boy, you start with the Lucy show and end up with Grey's Anatomy. That tells you I've been around sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you've been in some great shows. And, and I mean, that, that's just a, a, a smidgen of the things that you've been in. Oh, yeah. Oh, hmm. yeah, honey, you just... You have to keep at it, you know. So I'm, I'm still keeping at it, as they say, and I love it. 
Well, I, first off, let's start off with um, what you got coming up immediately, uh, very right around the corner here. Um, I understand on October 11th you'll be part of uh, Carol Channing and Friends Arts and Education event at Royce Hall at UCLA. That's right. Um, a lot of people in it. Um, Jason Graw, Mary Jo Catlett, Eileen Graff, you know, Sam Harris. Um, we have some darling kids from the... Uh, I'll tell you, the the function is for uh, Carol and her husband, Harry, have a foundation. Mm-hmm. And they want to bring the arts back. We're trying to get money to bring, to put into the public schools in California. It's mm-hmm. a California project. And so that's what it's for. It's for a wonderful wonderful cause and we're all pitching in to help carol yeah and and i've spoken to carol and uh, harry before on the show and uh, they're they're such a delight to have on the show aren't they wonderful oh yes yeah i mean those are two characters my husband's name is tom we're characters but so are they and that's why we get along so well (laughs) and carol well naturally everyone knows was the the original hello dolly Mm -hmm. and uh brilliant brilliant and um, we think it's kind of interesting because we both have the name Carol and two Carols, and I was the second Dolly in the world. Um, Australia got the rights to it, and so I went to Australia and New Zealand for two years and did Dolly. Oh, so you were doing it in Australia? Uh-huh. Oh, Australia okay. and New Zealand. Oh. And uh, people didn't just drop by there, my darling. <laughs> it's pretty damn far from here. <laughs> <laughs> but I told everybody that's what I was doing. God knows they don't know. But um, I was doing that. And I've always considered it um, really one of the best things. I mean, one of the thrills of my life was really to follow Carol Channing and do the second dolly in the world. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you're going to be at the event on October 11th, are you going to be singing any of the show tunes that you've done over the years? Well, yes, I will. Um, uh I will probably sing a couple of songs. I will do, you know, smart patter, as they used to call it in nightclubs. Mm-hmm. But I'll do, I'll do a little uh, bit of uh, my one-woman show and um, all the others, and then I'll do that. And then Carol will come on, and um, uh, for some strange reason, this is a smart-ass remark, sweetheart, but she wants to sing Hello, Dolly. So, you know, the generosity of my heart, I'm going to let her. <laughs> I'll be back behind her mouthing the words. I don't think she'll object to what that. Would be, what would be good if you did a duet? Now, that would be something. Oh, yes. In fact, we've talked about that. Really? So uh, the next shot, we honestly may do that. Wow, that would and be And I think it would be fun. Oh, yeah. You know? We'll come down in a lot of feathers. Of course, she's always very tailored in a white tux. You know, I still wear the feathers, honey, and the chiffon blowing. <laughs> you know, I don't depend on talent. I, I make sure I have on a flashy costume. <laughs> and Dolly did. Dolly should have on a flashy costume. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Can't hmm. beat the big red dress, honey. Yeah. <laughs> so I may do that. Who knows? So you did it for two years. Yes, wow. I did. did. You must have enjoyed doing it then. I tell you, it was... It was thrilling. It was really thrilling to do. I think Gower Champion, I later did 42nd Street and Gower directed it. But I think he never, I thought his peak was Hello, Dolly. Well, 42nd Street was bad. But right. But honest to goodness, I just thought the build of, um, I think a lot of your audience has seen it. And they have right, right before the Hello, Dolly number in the show, I'm standing up on a 
you know, a staircase in the back, mm -hmm. not revealed yet. And I'm standing in the red dress, and Gower had those, you know, 25 guys do what's called the waiter's gallop. And that's when the waiters were running around and throwing dishes. Mm -hmm. And it brings down the house, and hello, Dolly. And yet I stood in the back, up at the top of the stairs, knew I was going to part those curtains and come out in that red dress and top what they had done. I mean, that was Gower. Not, I'm not talking about, it wasn't my work. Yeah. It was Gower's work. It was that well-planned and that theatrical. Wow. I always felt like an orangutan could put on that red dress <laughs> and come down and be kind of smashing. But uh, because I thought it was that well-constructed, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know why, Dolly, I've played two parts that I thought the public loved those women. And that was Dolly, Levi, and Mame. Yeah. I thought, I thought everybody would love to have an anti-Mame in their lives. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun to play uh, a part that is, without the help from the actress, is so beloved, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I felt honored, and I think I... As far as I know, I'm the only actress that has played Auntie Mame, which is the play, right. and then played um, with Jerry Herman's fabulous score. I played Mame, mm -hmm. so it, you know, it was. It's. I've been lucky. I've yes. been lucky. Yeah. Now, did did you start out on stage? Is that how you started your career? Yes. Uh, to be truthful, um, I know they always said, "How did you start?" And I swear, I was brought up in a little tiny town called Abilene, Texas, mm -hmm. but you can't hardly tell it now, <laughs> and uh, I plumb lost my ex, <laughs> but um, I can't remember, Brian, ever wanting to do anything but be an actress. I wanted to be on stage. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever thinking, oh gosh, I have to be a star. You know, I just wanted to people say, oh, she's so talented, <laughs> you know, yeah. that that really, I just loved, and stage certainly was my first love, not the movies, not television, uh, it was the stage, yeah. and I had a rather remarkable mother, um, she would take, Dallas was about 200 miles from where we lived, mm -hmm. and at that time, a long time ago, she used to pile us kids in the car, three of us, and drive to Dallas. So we could see oh, Helen Hayes and Candle in the Wind and Alfred Lutton and Fontaine and There Shall Be No Night. I mean, all those, all those great actors mm -hmm. and Ethel Merman and all. Yeah. So uh, that, she never had any feeling about, oh, you know, m you know, Carol wants to be in show business. It was just that she thought it, like Mame, she thought it opened our minds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I was lucky. I was lucky. Yeah. Now, did you, um, since you started in stage, uh, how did you make the transition from stage to screen, TV or or movies? Yeah. Well, I was in New York. After, after I went to a school called Baylor University mm -hmm. in Texas, and I went there because a man named Paul Baker was a renowned drama teacher and head of the department. So I went there. And you're not going to believe this, Brian. I've managed to overcome it, but I also almost finished my master's in Greek drama. Now, don't ask why I did that. <laughs> I mean, now that I think about Medea, I thought, no, that's not really for me. <laughs> and um, so uh, I went to New York after I finished Baylor and um, 
And then it was kind of like I'd only been there a couple of years when uh, I was out in summer stock in Warren, Ohio. And uh, they called me to the phone and said, Lucille Ball is on the phone. Well, I thought it was a joke. I mean, Lucille Ball, I don't, I'd never even been to California, so mm-hmm. what did I know? But anyway, it was Lucille Ball, and um, she was at the point of her career, I Love Lucy's, were finished, and she was getting a divorce from Desi, mm-hmm. and she wanted something to do with her time, and so she had a group of what were kids in uh, come in, young actors, and study with her. And I think she, I think she paid them fifty bucks a week in order they auditioned for, and the prize was they got fifty bucks a week, and came to the little studio, uh, that the little theater on the studio lot of Desilu, mm-hmm. and um, did scenes and things like that. She and two other two of the students were sitting around in her house one day, in Beverly Hills, and one of those students, by the way, was Robert Osborne who is now right. uh, Turner Classic Movies MC, yes. uh, And um, they said, we saw a girl in New York that you might like, because she said, I don't have a comedian that I uh, you know, think is right for the review. They were going to do a review before an audience. So they found me through Equity, that's the union for the actors, mm-hmm. <clears throat> out in Warren, Ohio, she brought me here. I auditioned for her, went back, finished the shows, came out here <clears throat> to, pardon me, to do, um, to do that show on the uh, theater, uh, at, on the studio lot. And anyway, I, it went on. I did the little show, and then um, I did a screen test with Desi, of all things, and uh, they put me under contract. And so then I became interested naturally in television mm-hmm. and she put me on the Lucy show and here's Lucy to learn the you know the ins and outs of it yeah. and then I was signed to Warner Brothers for um, movie contract for two pictures a year Wow! And, um, and my first movie was the incredible Mr. Limpet uh, yes I, I always enjoyed that movie I, I thought it was a fun movie Do you know that's one <clears throat> Bob Osborne told me that's one of the most watched movies in the world because all, ever, all the kids grew up on it. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, that was a neat film. <laughs> and I tell you what, sometimes I was in an airport not long ago, and these little kids evidently had been on in their town. I think I was in El Paso, as a matter of fact. And they ran up to, oh, Mrs. Limpet. And I said, all of you kids are in the will, in my will, because they recognized me after all those years. I said, kids, you're in the well, darling. I mean, every one of you get a hundred bucks. Wow, that's... But um, incredible. And then, uh, that went on for a while, and um, then then I got Dolly, and strangely enough, people to this day, Charlie, I asked out of my contract to at Warner Brothers and Desilu to go to Australia to do Dolly mm-hmm. and um, because I don't know what but stage is still my love yeah. you know and mm-hmm. to to get the part of Hello Dolly for Dolly and Hello Dolly was it was too big of a temptation I, I thought I have to do that because it was done it was the second big production and done on Broadway standards you mm-hmm. know yep. it wasn't like going to summer stock 
which God knows I've done too. But um, I did ask out uh, of my contract, and uh, and and they let me go to do Dolly for the wow. two years, and then come back, and then I went back under contract to Disney. Hmm. Yeah. Now you were also in a film called Palm Springs Weekend, correct? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And that, now, I mean, that that movie. Um, it's sort of a cult classic now, uh, but it had a lot of stars in it. Uh, you know, Troy oh, Donahue, yeah. Connie Stevens, uh, uh, um, Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers, Robert Conrad. I'm yeah. trying to remember who all was in uh, it. Andrew Dugan. Oh, Andy Dugan, who was in The Incredible Mr. Limpet. He played That's right. he was uh, the Stephanie gen- Powers' a father ah, okay. in, um, in uh, Palm Springs. That, yeah, yeah, Palm Springs Weekend. And um, he also was Jack Weston. Now, Jack and, was also in Incredible Mr. Limit also. That's right. Yes, yes. That, and he was a dear. Um, he's gone now. But I tell you, he was a wonderful and a wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know what was fun was working with Don Knotts. Yeah, I was going to ask mean, you I mean, he was, you know, he really was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, of the ilk, you know, of the old-time comics, you know, the silent comics and all that. Yeah. He was he was a wonderful person. And uh, Lucille Ball, it might be of interest, that um, my name was Mildred Francis Cook. That's my real name. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't kid about that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I came out here, she renamed me Carol after her idol, an actress named Carol Lombard. Mm-hmm. And um, huh. I remember her words, as a matter of fact. she I don't mean she was, um, you know, making a comparison between our acting or anything, but she uh, evidently, Carol Lombard had, uh, well, she was irreverent from what I hear. And Lucy said, you, Carol, Mildred Francis, would you change your name to Carol for Carol Lombard because you have the same healthy disrespect for everything in general. <laughs> So I took that as a compliment, Brian. Yeah. I didn't let that stop me. It, you know, I've been lucky. I've had several cult movies, Palm Springs Weekend, Credible Mr. Limit, and Sixteen Candles. Oh, yes. That's and, a big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I do my one-woman show on campuses uh, all over the country, well, they're always, when I walk in at rehearsals or anything, they always say, oh, look, she's got her boobies, <laughs> and there's a perky. <laughs> <laughs> I go, and I remember, Pride, when John Hughes gave me that line, I thought, oh, how crass. <laughs> well, honey, crass sells. That's right. <laughs> crass is in, darling. <laughs> so uh, so I say that line all the time now. <laughs> but And that was a shock when John Hughes died, too. Oh, know? yes, yeah. He was young. Yeah. So um, anyway, it's I, I really loved movies and television. I'll tell you, I found the power of the close-up for the audience out there. You know, on stage, you kind of give the illusion of being very quiet if it's a quiet scene. I did find that exciting, Mm -hmm. you know. And when cameras, they come in very close to you, and you can honestly be quiet when you're talking or any. I I thought that was exciting. Yeah. So I found pay dirt (laughs) in in the movies, too, you know, or with the camera. Yeah. Movies are television. Now, you and Lucy, uh, you mentioned her, and and you were uh, you had a professional uh, dealings with each other, but you also became very close friends, right? Yes, we did. I I lived with Lucy uh, when I first came out here. 
until I got my own apartment. But I lived with her probably six months or seven months, something like that. And uh, I remember every Saturday the audience might find this. She would say, Carol, I'm going to wash your hair today and roll it up. She said, if I hadn't been in the movies, I would have been a hairdresser. You know what, Brian? She did my hair, and I thought, it's a good thing she became a star. I thought, oh, no, darling, you're not that good at it. (laughs) But I just used her hair dye, Brian, so it worked out great. (laughs) I still, people still, I still have the red hair. Probably Snow White under it. But anyway, had this red hair, and I said, well, as long as the Lucille Ball hair dye holds out, I'm in business, you know. (laughs) So what the hey? No, it was fun being with Lucy, you know, and she and I did work with her. That's how I learned uh, television technique. Mm-hmm. But certainly she was she was my Cinderella story, and she was matron of honor when I when I got married. Yeah, I saw that. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a mistake, sweetheart. <laughs> I found out never be the bride and have Lucille Ball as your matron <laughs> of honor. People have a tendency not. To look at the bride. Well, I can see what, yeah, I understand that now. <laughs> yeah, not good, sweetheart. And Brian, I was trying to look virginal in, in, in my wedding, which is what they in theater call a stretch. And I'm walking down the aisle. I thought, I won't wear makeup. That, that I look like Grace Kelly. I just look like the ghost of Christmas past, you know. I mean, it was horrifying. Tom, my husband Tom Troop, Tom raised my veil to kiss me. He had no idea who it was. <laughs> I mean, it was frightening. It was frightening. It was like Patty Duke and the Miracle Worker. He reached forward and touched me with it, his hand all over my face and went, Carol? Carol. <laughs> oh, well. It got a good laugh, so I'll let it go. Oh, geez. Now, uh, so... When you were on the Lucy show, um, and here's Lucy, how was it working with, with Lucy and, and Vivian Vance and, and, you know, the rest of the people on the, those shows? I'll tell you, I learned from the master. Oh, yeah. And that's the truth. It was very, it was off-putting at first, and I'll tell you why, Brian. On, on as well as I knew her, now remember, I lived with her, I was her protege, all of that, and I thought, oh, well, I'll just be her pet. This will work out great. Well, honey, on the set, she was no nonsense. It was like she'd never seen me before. Really? She was very, I don't mean mean or anything no, like no. that, but yeah. extremely, if you said, what was her word, you know, my word for her when you're working with, professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, she never asked you to do anything she wouldn't do. She was letter perfect on everything i mean oh we watched her you know grow in like physical bits that she did yeah but and that was fun to watch her mind go you know Hmm. but she was extremely extremely um professional and i mean that in a very good way no no kidding around you started you and and the breaks you had laughs and it was fun but I think most people would be very surprised by that. Mm, yeah. It wasn't like a million laughs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which was fine with me. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you were there to work. I mean, oh, we were there to work. I'll tell you a kind of amusing thing. I had, uh, we were 
doing a run-through. The audience wasn't there. We were just doing a run-through. But there were still, you know, a couple of dozen people in the grandstand because she did it before a live audience. Uh-huh. And um, I came out between, I don't know why, we had um, like bar doors, swinging doors like into a saloon, mm-hmm. an old Western saloon. And I came on and had a speech. And she stopped me in the middle of that speech and gave me a lecture. She said, you're losing heart in the middle of that speech. Even if you don't hear laughs, you keep going, and you keep the same energy, and she she read me the riot act. Mm. And now, I was shocked, because I thought, at, at that time, I didn't realize how she worked. I thought I was gonna be adorable. Yeah. Well, I was almost in tears. She said, now go out those swinging doors and come in again, and I wanna see, you know, energy in that. So as I, turned to go out the door I was near tears and I turned around and there was an audience about 25 50 people and I said because my tendency is when I am embarrassed or anything to be a little bit of a smart aleck and I turned around and I said near tears I said someday I'll own all of this studio and with that I turned and walked out the two doors well now Brian it was so quiet because if the queen bee hadn't laughed they weren't going to laugh (laughs) and I kept walking I thought well I'll just walk out the big doors take a cab and go back to New York and all of a sudden I heard her laugh and she went oh you know laugh like she had a raucous laugh and then everybody joined in of course they wanted to be sure that she was oh sure (laughs) i said where where were you when i needed you right (laughs) but it was that scary you know and and mine was from a nervousness i wasn't trying to be smart alecky it was just i was trying to cover my exit you know yeah and i was so near but that's how you know she was she meant business yeah now i learned from the best yeah was most of the things that we saw on the show um scripted or did they just fall into place you know some of the comic routines that that she did scripted really they were all scripted now yeah yes and lucy was extremely generous about that and rightfully so i mean they the writers um madeline and bob carroll were brilliant they instead of most writers would say lucy gets her foot caught in a bucket and does five minutes no they didn't They'd say, Lucy gets her foot caught in a bucket, tries to twist it to the right, then to the left, pulls it halfway up, her shoe comes off. In other words, they blocked. They they went right through funny things. Yep. And they didn't leave it for her to have to work. Now, she could add to that if she thought of another funny thing to do. Right, yeah. But they gave her ten funny things to do with that foot in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Now, she had... She certainly had the right to change anything, but she didn't have to. She could just add to it. She didn't have to start from scratch like Lucy does something funny. Right. No. And you know what they did, which was interesting? When they did some gag like that, let's say getting her foot caught, they did it in their offices when they were writing to see if it was possible. Yeah. In other words, they would put their foot in a bucket and go through the whole thing to work on it to see what she could do to be funny now that's how brilliant they were yeah and lucy was always the first one to give them the credit for that yeah she said i have the most brilliant writers in the world and um, 
Schiller and Weisskopf came on board, two gentlemen, after that, and they were the same way. But that gave Lucy, as the artist, um, not only funny stuff to do, but then she had time to add to it. Right. She didn't yeah. have to start from scratch, yeah. you know. Huh. They don't do that much anymore. Yeah, yeah. You, you must know. have been uh, thrilled to be able to work in the presence of, of oh, such genius. Uh, it was fabulous, Brian. It was fabulous. And I was just, I mean, I, and, you know, thank God, I knew I was blessed at the time. Do you know? I'm, I knew to take hold of that. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, you're 18 going, I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. I was older than that. But I wasn't 18. That's, I had some hard knocks. So, you know, you know, you think, I better grab on to this. Oh, yeah, geez. And uh, it's always better to steal from the best, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal from mediocrity. You know what I mean? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Go, go for the best. In fact, Lucy was so, um, well, I'll say bossy on, like, don't do that. Go to the left. Go to the right. And she did it in very terse terms. She didn't say, oh, now, Carol, would you mind turning a little? She'd go, no, turn to the left. Turn to the right. That was her way of working. Mm-hmm. Well, one time, Jack Benny was the guest star. And uh, and Lucy was that way with guest stars. She'd go, no, Jack, turn to the left. Turn to the right. No, you ought to, you've got to pick up that line faster. She was like, like she was talking to me, you know. And finally, Jack Benny... He was laughing about it. He turned to me and he said, tell that woman there who's so bossy, tell her she's got the job. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was a scream. Now, I just loved it. But that was his way of dealing with it. Right, oh, yeah. One time we were at her, and, at her house and it, she had a dinner party. And Jack Benny and Mary Livingston live right next door. So uh, we're sitting in the dining room. And it was kind of a formal dinner. All of a sudden, the swinging door between the kitchen and the dining room opens. Jack Benny had come in the kitchen door. We didn't know. And he had a he had his violin, and he was playing the violin. And all he did was go around like a gypsy at a restaurant. He was, went around the table playing the violin, walked out the kitchen door, went to his house, never said a word. <laughs> That's pretty damn funny, I thought. Yes. <laughs> Dang, I love that. I kept saying, my gosh, I'm in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, that brings a girl from Abilene to attention. Right. Know? How many times does Jack Benny walk through <laughs> your, your house? It never happened in Abilene, <laughs> right. we are. Never happened. Wow. Yeah. Now, and you, you've been in so many other, I, I look, I'm looking at the list of all the shows you've been on. Are there any shows that particularly bring out certain memories for you? of the other shows besides Lucy? Oh, yeah. Well, it, uh, to be truthful, um, uh, Grey's Anatomy, television. Oh, I yes. loved, that was not long ago, and I loved the part. It was an old showgirl yeah. who was going to be put in a home, and she kept singing to the... And I worked with a brilliant young actor named T.R. Knight, and he's um, he's left the show now. He played the young doctor. Yeah. But my scenes were with him, and he was so, I said, honey, we're the Harold and Maud of today. Do you know who Harold, Harold and Maud was this older woman, mm-hmm. old lady with a young man, and they had a relationship. Yep. And I loved that movie. It was a wonderful movie. And um, anyway, um, it was wonderful to work with him. 
I, I really loved, oh, you know, with Richard Gere. Um, American Gigolo? Uh, American Gigolo. And uh, your pardon the expression, I was the first woman that went to bed with him in that show. <laughs> and, you know, he was quite wonderful. And <laughs> I know you're going to cut that. Don't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, the movies I've done, have been, I've just loved them. I, it's and good, bad, and different. I mean, it's, it's certainly more fun to do good material. Mm-hmm. But the movies I've done... Uh, in fact, my husband and I are going on a, on a cruise, and we're going in a few weeks to um, Greece. Wow. And I'm going to revisit Santorini, mm-hmm. um, which I did Summer Lovers Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, in Santorini. So that'll be fun. And this time I won't have to go up the mountain on a donkey. <laughs> I mean, that was not attractive, sweetheart. They filmed a scene, me, me astride a donkey. <laughs> and... Uh, we're going up the hill, and Barbara Rush, my cohort in crime, turned to me and she said, and they were filming, and I had the walkie-talkie on, so they were recording everything I said. And she said, oh, my gosh, as the character, as her character, we're both on donkeys, and we're going up the hill, and it was so hot. And she said, um, she said, well, she said, Carol, you're going to wear those high heels. Are you going to wear them all through Greece? And I said to her, and it was a film, you bet your ass. And with that, I patted the donkey. I said, no offense. And, and now they let that in the movie, darling. Oh, really? So, so we're safe. No, maybe we're not. Well, you suit yourself on that. And, um, I've just, you know, I've loved it. And I love going back to Broadway. Of course, that's where I feel the most at home. Do you, you like know. the response of the people immediate like that? Yes, yes. Yeah. And you know what's wonderful about it, too? You go from the beginning to the end. And people always say, oh, that's wonderful, just two, you know, two hours a night or three hours, whatever it is. I said, you won't believe. I think doing eight shows a week is harder than doing a movie. Or I, I, it, it, truthfully, it's different muscles. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but that eight shows a week, honey, that gets a little, I mean, because really from one o'clock in the afternoon on, you're getting prepared for that night. Yeah. You're it, mentally being prepared. You, uh, if you have things to do that you have to do, if you're wearing costumes, stuff, you get there early, you get in like with Dolly, the car ship and, the, and everything. And then um, you have two or three hours after that when the show is down come out of it it um it it takes a you know what it takes right it takes football energy just good old stamina mm-hmm. you yep. know it that's shows just take and especially musicals you know yeah. they and by sunday night that's why i'm not crazy about when they play sunday afternoon or sunday night by that time half of the course is you know crippled from hurting <laughs> themselves somehow yeah voices are tend to be a little shaky by that time. Right. It's hard. It's oh, hard physically. Yeah. But uh, but we love it. Don't ask why we... It's horrible to do it. I mean, horrible physically, but but I wouldn't trade it. Do you, you ever know? forget something? You know, it does, and not just you, but I mean, in general, when you're on stage, does is it ever happen that people 
uh, in the cast have either forgotten lines or something, and somebody has to sort of ad lib to. Yes, my darling, happens all the time. Really? <laughs> or, not all the time, but I'll put it this way: it's not uncommon. Uh huh. Yeah. And usually, somebody saves your tail on that. By if my line is, I'm going out of town. I'm going downtown now. And if I can't think of it, somebody will say, "Aren't you going downtown?" <laughs> Yeah, you know that that kind of thing. Yeah, so everybody that, works together to save it. It works together. Now you're a little bit hard pressed if you're doing a one woman show. Yeah, <laughs> that you just have to work out yourself. You go, oh my gosh, what comes next? <laughs> and you, that's a little hard. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there's always that the old joke about uh, an old Shakespearean company that's doing um, uh, Hamlet. And they go up. By going up, that means you dry up. Nobody spoke. And the stage is full of people. Mm -hmm. And the prompter from the wings yells out, To be or not to be? And the old actor says, We know the line. We don't know which of us says it. <laughs> so I love that. so showbiz. It's true, my darling. It's true. Yeah. Well, Carol, I have one more question for you. Sure. Um, now, in 2004, you did Disney's Home on the Range and oh, yes. did some voice work. Uh, that was, was that your first voice work that you had done? Yes. And you know what? I have uh, dubbed voices before. Like, you watch the screen and you try to match. I've done foreign films where I do the English version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, that, but I tell you, Brian, that was so much fun. Really? Be oh. I, and I couldn't, I, I, my voice was that of um, a farm woman who owned the farm, and she had three cows. Yeah, you were Pearl. Were, <laughs> yeah, and one of the cows was Judy Dench, and the next cow was Roseanne Barr, mm -hmm. and then, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, I can't think of the third cow. But anyway, uh, I thought, oh, I'll get to meet Judy Dench and Roseanne, won't this be fabulous? Well, sweetheart. They filmed them. I never met anybody in that show with me. You were alone in the booth, right? You're alone in the booth getting theatrical. I was just sick about that. Yeah. But I had a great time because, my darling, it was fabulous. Because you go in on that day, you don't have to hold your stomach in. You don't have to worry about your dumb makeup. It's fabulous. That's and I would go in and the men would stop me and they'd say, yes. And I'd say, I'm doing Home on the Range. It's Dame Carol Cook. Because I thought Dame Judy Dench was going to be right behind me. <laughs> they did not think that was funny at all. They said, let me search your trunk of your car. Because <laughs> they do that now, you know. It's like when I go to the airport. They always search me. And I say, would a terrorist have hair this color? <laughs> and then I always say, would a woman my age blow herself up with real jewelry on? I mean, get a grip. But anyway, that, that's that's my life, darling. I just have a good time with yeah. it all. Well, Carol, I, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you, and it's it's, it's great well, to hear all your stories. Well, I hope I didn't stories. ramble on. If I did, you can just cut some of it. Darling. No, no, it was fun. We, I enjoyed it. And, if something's uh, not clear, just call me. I'll make it into a musical, you know. <laughs> But I just loved all those stories. And 42nd Street, Gower Champion died that day we opened, and that was dramatic. We, I think that's the most dramatic thing that ever happened to me on stage. Really? Was Gower Champion dying the day we opened. And when David Merrick came out on the stage, 
And we did not know it. We went on opening night, and the audience didn't know it because uh, they held the news until after the curtain came down. And uh, that was the most theatrical thing that's ever happened to me on stage when uh, Merrick walked out after about 15 curtain calls and said, Gower Champion died this afternoon. Mm. You could have cut the silence for the night. And my husband was with Ethel Merman that night. That was his date. And as the curtain, Jerry Arbach stepped out and said, bring the curtain down. The curtain started falling very slowly, and there was silence. And I heard Ethel Merman with that trumpet-like voice say in the silence, she was in the audience, she said, well, if you've got to go, that's a way to go. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's showbiz. Yeah. You know? But it was... It was, uh, I mean, that that's never happened before, thank God, or hopefully will never. But it was, it was certainly one of the most startling moments I've ever had on stage. I'm sure, jeez. But oh. I was uh, glad I was a part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So that was all good, Brian. And thank you so much, sweetheart. You've been fun to talk to. I know I've gone on and on. Well, I've enjoyed it very much, and I'm sure our audience will... will really enjoy listening to you and everything. And, and we'll do some of that at the Carol Channing and her Broadway friends. Yes, and people should go if they're in that area. Um, it's at Royce Hall, my darling. Mm-hmm. And it's on uh, Sunday night, October 11th. Yep. And and I'll be there. The right. two dollars will be there, sweetheart. <laughs> okay. Okay, honey. Thank you. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My next guest on On Screen and Beyond has appeared on such shows as The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, The Jerry Lewis MDA Telethon, and she is known as America's Funniest Grandma. It's Mrs. Hughes. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Mrs. Hughes. Well, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Well, first off, how did you start out in the business of, of being a comedian? Yeah, I wish it was funny. Because it's really not. I I had never been to a nightclub, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how a person became a comedian. I may have even thought that Johnny Carson just knocked on your door and said, Hey, the PTA lady said you're pretty funny. You want to be on the show? I, mean, I have no idea how mm-hmm. it was done. And Phyllis Stiller was talking to Merv one afternoon when the show was on in the afternoon and said she'd started doing stand-up when she was 39. And I was about 25 at the time, and I remember saying in my head, I have plenty of time. Now, why I said that, I have no idea. But I remember saying that in my head. Yeah. And when I was 40, I met a woman at Weight Watchers who was a stand-up comic. Now, I was so naive that I didn't realize that she was the Weight Watchers person that leads the program. Mm -hmm. So... How far along as a comedian could she possibly have been? You know, <laughs> she obviously had a day job. Right. But that never occurred to me because I was really, really naive. 
So I took the woman to lunch, and I do remember that she's a Weight Watchers person, that she put sweet and low on her salad. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding memory of lunch with Candy Carr, the comedian. Uh But she said, you know, I said, I just want to know how to be a comedian. And she goes, oh, she said, you have to write five funny minutes and go to the improv and go to the open mic nights and stuff like that. And I said, well, I've got five funny minutes. And I just remember she said, I don't want to hear that one more time. People come up to me all the time. I'm so funny I could be a comedian. My brother-in-law should be a comedian. My father is so funny. And she said, no, you don't know how to do it. It's not just something you do. You have to have an act. You have to know about punchlines. And you, you know, it's just not something that just people that go to Weight Watchers can do. And I said, oh, but I really do have five funny minutes. And I really do know about punchlines and stuff. He says, well, I'm going to prove to you you don't. This is once and for all just for me. I'm going to prove that you don't. You don't just meet people on the street and say, well, I could be a comedian, and they could be. It doesn't happen. She says, I'm going to take you to the improv. We'll go on open mic night. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right. And we made arrangements to go. And I don't remember now. I think we went in separate cars, and we met at the improv. And you go inside, and you put your name on a little piece of paper, and they put it in the champagne bucket. And then the guy that runs the show stirs them around and draws out names, and that's the order you go on. Mm -hmm. And if your name doesn't get drawn, you don't get to go. So So, so she drew my name. I was going up at midnight, and she was going up, interestingly enough, right after me. Uh. I think we were the last two names. But I called my husband on the phone, and I said, I know it's very late, and and I will come home right now if you tell me to, but... My friend is going up at midnight, and I really would like to stay and watch her do it. And he said, no, 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 that's fine, which I really knew he would, mm-hmm. but I wanted to give him the comfort of having been asked, yeah. you know? Because <laughs> after all, the improv is a bar, you know? I'm in Hollywood in a bar. You know, it's just not my normal lifestyle. So I did meet him in a bar, which I don't know why he was upset about my <laughs> being there 40 years, you know, when I was 40. But right. Anyway, so it was me that was drawn. I went up at midnight. I did five minutes. I got a standing ovation. And the MC, whose name is Bruce Smirnoff, very, very well-known comedian, but at the time he was not that far along either, mm-hmm. said yeah. to me, you're very funny, Mama. You go for it. Mm-hmm. And it was such a thrilling experience. I, I, I just couldn't even just remembering now, I can hardly breathe. Now, were the you, excitement of it. Were you nervous? No. You weren't. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And when I was in high school and I was in a play and I didn't even have any words to say, I would throw up. <laughs> I wouldn't even remember. I'd say, did I do it? Did I go on stage? I wouldn't even remember. <laughs> and you were the but, pillar on the back wall. Right? <laughs> I had no idea. This time, I, you know, I went potty. Yeah. But it was just, you know, not the important one. And I didn't throw up. And I was just fine. I wasn't nervous, but I was excited and thrilled afterwards. Now, I'm I'm a housewife. I've always been a housewife. But I started teaching an antiques class Mm -hmm. at the adult ed. The fact of the matter is I was going to take the antiques class, but they didn't have one in our school district. I went to speak to the adult ed principal and said, why don't you have an antiques class? And he said, okay, when would you like to start? And I said, 
what? And he goes, teaching it. I said, I wanted to teach it. I wanted to take it. And he said, no, 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 I think you could teach it. And the teacher for the writing class that I was taking said, yeah, she could do it. Hmm. So I said, well, all right, I will. And it paid $8.28 an hour, and I thought, three hours, then they fire me. I have enough money for a pretty darn good-looking pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing it. And I started studying like wild the night before, I mean, all week, but then I would go teach the class what I had just learned the night before, and so on. Mm-hmm. So I now have been about five years teaching that class, and I was in front of a group of people, 30 people, 40, 50 people, and so I had gotten over my stage brightness, you know? Yep, yep. So that didn't bother me. So I, that gave me one thing that most start starting stand-ups don't have mm-hmm. is experience as a public speaker, you yeah. know? Now, did you know you were funny when you did the act that night? Oh, God, yes. Did, I mean, you, you knew it. You had it nailed. Oh, I knew it was funny because I didn't know anything about antiques. <laughs> so when I went to teach the antiques class, I said, all right, here's the important thing. you got to tell them something they don't already know. You've got to give them a piece of paper that says the thing that you told them, mm-hmm. and then it has to be fun. Mm-hmm. So, since I didn't have very many facts about antiques, I mostly made it fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd tell stories about my husband and my kids and, you know, goofy stuff that had happened to me. You know, I went to the bank one day with my dress inside out, you know, and, and it was just embarrassing stuff, yeah, you know. yeah. And I would just tell them some kind of funny story in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I would tell them something that they didn't know, give them a piece of paper, and then let them tell me about the stuff that they brought in for sharing. Hmm. So I, I had that knocked, and I knew I was funny, because I've always been funny. Yeah. Huh. Um, I'm shy, and I'm not comfortable in a large group, so I pretty much... <laughs> then dominate it, which doesn't make a lot of sense. It's funny. You know, I talk to a lot of people like that who are comedians, and they, they say, I'm really a shy person. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Yeah, we're usually shy and unhappy people. <laughs> Really, really depressed, shy people who are really loud, outgoing, and funny. It doesn't make sense, but that's the way we are. Um, I just would tell funny stories because I wasn't comfortable talking to people. You said you started off by seeing Merv Griffin talk to um, Phyllis Diller. Now, uh, recently, actually, you got a chance to meet Phyllis Diller, correct? I am so thrilled. I've gotten a chance to finally meet her. Yeah. Because I've talked about her for years. Mm-hmm. She wasn't my inspiration, but she certainly was my icon that I looked up to. Right. You know, she was my comedy god. She did it. I can do it yeah. kind of thing. And she, when she retired, the Thalians, a very, very well-known group of women in Hollywood, had this huge banquet in her honor. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, just a tons of really great people entertained. And they all did it for free. And I actually was paid <laughs> to do it. And I was followed by Roseanne. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, which I, when I first met Roseanne, we met on the telephone, actually. She said, well, I'm a big, fat housewife. And I said, no, 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 I'm the big, fat housewife. Because <laughs> now I'm the big, fat housewife. <laughs> and they said, oh, well... 
okay, so we met, and she was the big fat housewife, little fat, short fat housewife, and um, she just hit like a wildfire, and I was just about to hit, and then I started getting, well, how many big fat, you know, mm-hmm. housewives do we need? So, uh, you know, th- that was, and, and and I know her, and I get along with her fine, but I wasn't very happy at the time. Right. In any event, Red Buttons was there. My God, how long it had been since I'd seen Red Buttons. Wow. And he was hysterical. Huh. And um, Tony Danza closed the show with this fabulous tap dancing and singing. It was just a, uh, it was an incredible thing. Jack LaLanne and his wife were there. Wow. And you know, you see Jack on television. He's so well built and he's like 170 right. now and he's still really well built and everything. Yeah. But he's so small, I could put him in my pocket. Oh, really? He and his wife are just really, really tiny people. Huh. It's, it's so you deceiving know, to see people absolutely. on TV. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, it was, I felt like I was in Lilliput when I was talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> and charming, lovely people live up here in, near me. I live in Pismo. They live in Morro Bay. Hmm. Jeez. Anyway, uh, my, my father's favorite, favorite actress in the whole world was Sherry North. Yeah. And that was like a bazillion years ago. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Sherry North was there. Wow. I know. It was just amazing. Huh. All of these fabulous people. Renee Taylor, Joe Bologna. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. All these fabulous people there. And me. Jeez. I met Joanne Worley and Ruth Buzzy there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, God, they are the cutest people. Oh, funniest yeah. people. I loved them. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, oh, and Joanne Worley, I don't know if you'll be able to say this on the air, but Joanne Worley came over to me and she said, you are so funny, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> funniest, what a great compliment. You know, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it would be. I just love her. She's so, so funny. Huh. Now, I, I want to check in. Oh, just... but I was going to say, but oh, I never got a chance to meet Phyllis. Oh, you never got to meet her? That night, I didn't get... I had my picture taken with a whole bunch of people with her. Did not get to meet her. Oh, jeez. And then Florence Henderson, and we share a manager, they arranged for Phyllis and I to meet at the uh, Magic Castle. She was doing an hour program, and she was wonderful. Yeah. She was so, so funny. She's 93, and she, if I could be that smart and look that good... Yeah, you know, eat now, today, <laughs> I would be happy. <laughs> There's so many different things on the Internet, and, and a lot of times I will bring things up to people, and they'll say, no, I've never done that. <laughs> but I, one of on IMDb, um, one of the things that's listed for you is that you were uh, on picket fences. Is that true? Yes, I was. So so you were, what, is, I, I presume it was like an extra? I had a co-starring role, <laughs> which is just about the lowest on the totem pole of things you can be. I did not know that. I thought co-starring meant, you know, fame tomorrow. Right. But it doesn't. It means nothing. But I was, and the name of my character was Annoying Neighbor. Annoying Neighbor. Okay. On, on, on IMDb, it says woman. <laughs> I know. So. Well, it was annoying woman. Oh, annoying! And I was talking to Tim Allen, and um, and I was so excited. And I said, "Oh, I got a part of Pick of Fences." And he goes, "Oh, really? Is what, what's your part?" And I said, "I'm the annoying neighbor." And he goes, "Typecasting again." <laughs> I'm gonna 
killed him. <laughs> and there was another listing for you, and, and this one I, I, I'm kind of wondering about. It, it was for a show called Cameo Theater? Yeah, that wasn't me. It, that wasn't you? Yeah. So that is a, a, a wrong thing on the Internet. Well, it's not me, but I have to tell you who it is. There was an actress named Carol Hughes, mm-hmm. and she used to be in Ray Rogers films, among other things. Mm-hmm. And we went to the Ray Rogers Museum, my husband and I and the children. And my younger daughter saw this picture, and it said Carol Hughes. And she goes, Mom, you were a lot prettier when you were younger. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Carol Hughes was an actress. And do you remember Dobie Gillis? I don't know how old Oh, yes, I do. Yep. Well, the father on Dobie Gillis, his name is Francis something or another, Mm -hmm. was Carol Hughes' husband. Ah, okay. And I was at the a very famous showbiz place. I can't remember. And I was performing, and he was there, and he came over to me and told me I couldn't use that name, that that was his wife's name. <laughs> can't use that and name. And that she was very, very sick, and he started crying, and I talked to him for a really long time. Yeah. And uh, that's when I changed my name from Carol Hughes to Mrs. Hughes. Aha, that's, so that's the story behind it. <laughs> yeah, and you know something completely forgotten, that that's why I call myself Mrs. Hughes? <laughs> well, because I couldn't use Carol Hughes? Yeah, well, it's funny, when I saw the listing, it said Cameo Theater, and it said 1950, and I said, no, that, that sounds, you know, I mean... <laughs> No. You know that's. I'm old, but I'm not that. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think that that was the correct entry. You know, a lot of times they get crossed, mixed in there, and people with the same names and things. So I figured that one was a little wrong, unless you were, you know, a child star. Yeah, right, a child star. Yeah. Now embryonic. Right. <laughs> I don't want anybody to know how really old I am. Um, I'm not going to ask. The other thing with Carol Hughes is that somebody called me one time and wanted to use some of my clips in a commercial. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you're certainly welcome to anything that I did, but I don't think you got me. Because <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you're talking about Carol Hughes that was in um, the Roy Rogers films. Uh, and I'm fairly certain that she's dead. Uh, yeah. And then I told them who the husband was, and I remembered his last name at the time. Hmm. And I said, uh, I'm sure that she can go through the estate and, and do that, but um, I... I I don't know for positive, but I'm pretty sure she's dead because that was like 20 years ago, you know. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I got a, something happened, and they, they, I guess it was Craig Ferguson or something, and I got onto my IMDb, or BD, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, I got a note from SAG that said, we have some royalties for you, but we thought you were dead. <laughs> Would you say, send them over? <laughs> no, I said, well, let me explain this to you. <laughs> and you see, that's why I wanted to be Mrs. Hughes, not Carol Hughes. Uh-huh. But they wouldn't let me be Mrs. Hughes unless my first name was Mrs. <laughs> Jeez. So that's the whole boring story about that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nice because I got a nice hunk of change. Hmm. And it were they were my reruns. That yeah. was my money, not hers. Yeah. <laughs> So when you were on Craig, you were on Craig Ferguson. You uh, God, I love that man. Really? That was was that fun? Uh, 
I love him. I, I think he is the funniest, cleverest, most original person on television. Really? Well, I saw the clips, and, and you're, you're hilarious on that. I, I thought it was very funny. I got, when I first came out to do my thing, I got a standing ovation mm. from the audience before I opened my mouth. <laughs> and it went on. You know, you have like five minutes when you do those kinds of shows. Yeah. And these people just kept applauding and my five minutes was ticking away. Right. They're taking up your time here. National they are. television. <laughs> you don't the want same that. thing happened when on that video on um, at the Ice House. You know, they were laughing too long. Shut up. <laughs> I only have eight minutes. <laughs> now, being on the Jerry Lewis uh, telethon, did you get a chance to meet Jerry? Unfortunately, no. But Norm Crosby was hosting no the one. section that I was on. Yeah. Were you in and Vegas? And I know Norm, and he's just lovely. So yeah. that was that was great, but I would like to have met Jerry. Yeah. Were you in Vegas when you performed that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think where we were. I think it was Vegas. Hmm. Now, another thing that, that's a kind of a coincidence, or maybe it's not a coincidence, is the fact that uh, you were watching, years ago, you were watching Merv Griffin with Phyllis Diller, and mm-hmm. then eventually you did be, begin working for Merv Griffin, correct? Yes, I did. God loved that man. He was so wonderful, and he was so wonderful to me. I have a friend who books shows in Florida, and I love Vicki. She's really a nice person. But frankly, all of the gigs she books are just horrible. <laughs> you know, one, it's, it's like it's become an adjective. Yeah. I was doing a Rouseman gig, and then everybody glows at well, it wasn't a Rouseman gig, but it should have been. You know, it, if you have a really crappy thing on the road and it's a horrible venue, it's, you know, it's a Rouseman gig. And she had asked me to come and do a gig in Lake Eola, Florida. And it isn't on a map. I don't know where it is. I hadn't heard of it, yeah. <laughs> so I went to Lake Eola, Florida an outdoor event, and unfortunately nobody told me what time the event started. And when I left home, I felt terrific. And when I got to Lake Eola, Florida, I was sick as a dog. Mm, I had a headache, and my nose was running, I was so sick, and I went out at 7 o'clock, went over to the venue, nobody's there, went back. 8 o'clock I went out, there was nobody there, and went back. Finally, at 9 o'clock, there were people there, and the show was getting ready to start, and I did my set, and I was the closer, and I went backstage, and there were, there were Samsonite folding chairs and a table, and I laid down on the table because I was sick. I couldn't keep my eyes open. And Vicki came back, and she said, there's a man outside that wants to talk to you. He's from the Merv Griffin Show. And I said, oh, please, of course he's from the Merv Griffin Show. It's Robert Wagner, and... Jerry Lewis, and they're from the Merv Griffin Show. Lake Eola, Florida. How could it be anybody but somebody famous from show business out there to see me? And she just looked at me and shrugged her shoulders, and I went out there, and there was this ordinary guy. Mm-hmm. His name was Billy, and uh, I can't think of his last name right now. But anyway, he said he was from the Merv Griffin Show, and uh, they he would like some materials and and videos and stuff like that that I if I had them to uh, take to Merv and he would like me to star in a show in Atlantic City. Wow. And I said, you know, I said, this is Vicki Rossman and she booked this gig and she's going to have to act on my behalf because 
I am really, really sick, and I apologize, but I don't feel well, and I'm, and I'm, I, I have to just go lie down somewhere. So she took care of it, and I came, um, I got back to Vicky's house. I guess I stayed at Vicky's that night, and I called my husband, and I said, "Quick, send promo package, blah blah blah, and everything to this thing," and um, he did. And I sent them to Vicky, and Vicky took them down and gave them to Roger. And I finished that run, and I came home, and the phone rang, and a man's voice said, "Do you know who this is?" And I said, "It's Griffin." <laughs> and it was. And he said, "I'd like to have lunch with you." And so I went down, and we had lunch, and he had a couple of TV pilot things he wanted me to do, and and we did a bunch of stuff and then i went to atlantic city and started in a review called love and kisses at his um casino hotel resorts mm-hmm. boy and after that i worked for him i did three i started in three shows for him and then um he had a hotel in palm springs and i performed there and he got me the job at the thalians and i did something out in the, in um, la quinta is a big art show that he has entertainment and i did that with Carol Channing and Michael Feinstein and Jack Jones. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went to lunch and would hang out in his at dinner at his house and in wow. La Quinta and stuff. I mean, it was just an incredible period of time. Jeez. And then, unfortunately, we lost him. Right. But, uh, you know, I got to know Ava. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Carol Channing recognizes me in waves. You know, I mean, I was... Carol, I've had her on the show twice before. Marge Marge Champion of Marge and Gower Champion. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just all of these incredible people. Yeah, jeez. Now, uh, I just want to, before we finish up here, I just want to let people know that uh, you have a website, correct? Yes, MrsHughes.com. And they can go there and they can uh, order your CDs? They can do just about anything they want. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you have to remember how to spell Hughes. That's the key. That's right. See, to me, that's it's a common name. I took you know right. from where I am. It's a very common name, so <laughs> I had no problems with it. No, well, the people in England don't, but in in France, they can't pronounce it at all because all the letters are silent. Right. In France, I misses. <sighs> but yes, they have a terrible time here. We go to a Mexican restaurant, and the woman wrote down our name, and she wrote J U S. Hughes. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I came in a little bowl with, you know, meat juice in it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, just so people do know, it's it's Mrs. H-U-G-H-E-S dot com, correct? Right. And there's no dot after the Mrs. Because right. I've been postmenopausal so long, I don't even have that period. <laughs> and uh, people can check out, find out where you're appearing across the country, correct? Yes. Yep. Yes. And, uh, I'm going to be in Oregon um, this Friday, I think. Uh-huh, okay. And, um, I oh no, I'm going to be in Montana, and I'm doing this thing called What Women Want Expo. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be just fabulous. Really? Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, I'm hoping that they have, you know, half-naked, good-looking young men. You know, <laughs> a whole booth full of them or something. <laughs> trying to think what women want. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly shoes. what they're talking about. But. Probably not, but it's got to be shoes. <laughs> Jewelry? I don't know. 
Very exciting. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Hughes, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, I'm so glad you wanted me on the show. Yes, yes. It's 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 always interesting to find out how people get into things and uh, uh, love your act. Thank you very much, Brian. Well, I want to thank both our guests this week, Carol Cook and Mrs. Hughes, for joining us and sharing such great stories with us. And don't forget to check out, if you get a chance, go on the web and check out MrsHughes.com. And you can check out her CDs. She's got CDs there, and uh, she's got um, videos you can see of her and uh, find out where she's going to be appearing. She's all over the country, so uh, you want to check that out. Mrs. Hughes, funny woman, and, of course, like I said earlier, Carol Cook. Love hearing their stories. And next week we have uh, our annual holiday movie preview coming your way, so I hope you're going to join us for that. And, of course, we'll have our weekly guest star on the interview segment. So until then, uh, I want to thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening. Until then, this is Brian saying take care. (laughs) 